Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. This is episode 93. I am Chris, and I am joined this week by my usual co-hosts. I am joined by Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's going good. Happy to be here. Awesome. And Dan? Hi, everyone. How's it going? It's, it's great, thanks. Our main main topic of discussion for today is going to be Misaki Yuasa's movie Lou Over the Wall, uh, which is his second movie of 2017, believe it or not, after Night is Short, Walk on Girl. Which, and the film is getting a UK and Ireland cinema release on December the 6th. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that film because we all had the opportunity to see it. Mm-hmm. But before that, we are going to do our usual discussion of news topics in the animation world. And there is one thing we need to talk about um, mm-hmm. first. Uh, we just want to mention it. We're not going to dwell on it. Um, it's kind of one of the biggest stories in animation recently. And it's, um, that is the fact that John Lasseter has um, taken a leave of absence from Pixar and... Well, presumably from Disney Pixar, because he is also um, chief creative officer at at Walt Disney Animation as well. Yeah, he went Um, back and forth between the two. mm -hmm. And obviously he's one of the biggest figures in animation. And basically uh, there were, uh, he made a statement about uh, making missteps um, and basically uh, (laughs) um, there were allegations of, inappropriate behavior and stuff um mainly well aimed at female members of staff um and we're not going to dwell on it um but he has at the time of recording he has taken a six month sabbatical um and uh we just want to mention it uh we're not going to dwell on it as we said um you you will find a a report on it on the news store on the on the website um, and if you do want to read up more on it, you'll find it on other sites, but we're not going to go into it too much. Do we just want to... <laughs> well, mainly because it's something that, you know, happened um, not behind closed doors, but, you know, in... Um, it, it's been, it seems like it's been like an open secret for a while. Mm-hmm. And it seems like something that has been going on for a while um and some people knew about it and some people i.e. mainly the rest of the public did not mm-hmm. um so i guess we're not talking about it because it you know for british libel law i guess it involves mm-hmm. all sorts of um allegations but there i we should also like take those allegations seriously mm-hmm. and um reflect on you know, how it affected the workplace uh, for countless women and many, many others uh, for what sounds like years. Um, so it's it's just like a real, a real bombshell. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a touchy, touchy subject to be sure. So we want to make sure that we give the respect that's due to all the people who would have been involved in this. And that way we don't want to draw too much attention to it and just say that this is something that happened and it should, you know, work conditions for such a workplace should change to, so that everyone's feel, feels comfortable. But still in regards to, uh, at least for me personally, I know it's hard to talk about because this, uh, this is a man I've looked up to for a long time. So 
it's really hard. It's really hard to talk about. So apologies. So we, we should say that just, you know, the actions of one person do not represent the entire company. Mm-hmm. Disney, Disney and Pixar are full of, you know, hundreds, hundreds of people, talented artists of, of all backgrounds and everything. So uh, we shouldn't uh, let this reflect on them because, you know, so we can, we can still appreciate their films and things. So, um, well said. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've done that. Yeah. Uh, we can leave that. We can leave that right there. <laughs> we, we didn't, we didn't want to ignore it, but we also did not want to um, go into it too much. Um, mm-hmm. Like we said, if you do want to look into it more, there's plenty of other places to look into it. We don't think we're really the, the place. So, Yep, we're going to talk about animation, darn it, and that's what we're going to do. Yes, and that is what we're going to do right now. Some other animation news, um, starting with uh, some awards news mm-hmm. from over here in the UK. Um, we, we didn't actually mention the nominations on the podcast at any point, but it was reported on the, on the website. Um, and that is BAFTA, uh, basically the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. They're best known for their film awards, but they have a bunch of other award ceremonies throughout the year. They have, um, like they've got one, at, there's one based in Scotland, there's one based in Wales, um, there's a Games Awards, there's a TV Awards, and there's also a Children's Awards. And that is the one that has just happened last weekend. And mm-hmm. um, that uh, is um, where a certain film by the name of The Little Prince uh, won for Best Feature Film. Not Best, yes. anima- not best Animated Feature, just Best Feature Film. Uh, and in this particular year, all the nominations for that category happened to be animated. I had forgotten about that, yeah, because it was um, not just The Little Prince, but also uh, Moana, Singh, and Kubo were all, up in, were all in that particular category as well, were they not? Yes, they were. I'm just trying to bring up my post. (laughs) (laughs) I'm prepared. I'm so prepared. I'm not, I wasn't, I, I, were you prepared to vamp, Rachel? I wasn't. Wait, what? I was, well, I was sat there thinking like, oh, we should be vamping here. We should be. Oh, okay. Oh, of course, children are what's known as ch- 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 children. Small are people, small <laughs> people, and the big people's Baptist comes later. In the yes, Chris, well, are you right? I wish you ready more out? about the Baptist yeah. in which you to talk about it, but still, I'm just really happy that the uh, that this particular film, The Little Prince, got got the win and and uh, cap- more of a not non animated special, you know, featured category because that just proves how strong of a film it is without just saying oh, putting the and like, oh, this is an animated film. It has to be categorized separately. It's like, no, it can be categorized as an actual film. Thank you very much. The nominations were, uh, other than The Little Prince, Moana, Sing, and Kubo and the Two Strings. And mm-hmm. Kubo and the Two Strings already won BAFTA's Best Animated Feature at their main film awards. So um, it was a nice surprise for Little Prince to win, um, especially as it's basically been ignored at most other award ceremonies. It didn't even get nominated. I just want to get your guys' opinion because I, you know, we've we've talked about this movie at great length, and there's, you know, it's an it's an incredible f- 
feature. So I'm just kind of curious as to how it, po- it could be even be possible that it's been overlooked as such in the other awards uh, awards for animation. I wonder how much it's down to the fact it was on released on Netflix rather than mm. widely mm. theatrical. And also, 2016 was crazy. <laughs> in yeah, it was. In terms of quality animated features. Yeah, I think uh, that's true. I, but I do think that its weird release has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. It did get a full release in lots of European countries, I think in France and Belgium, mm-hmm. um, before the Netflix buy. Um, and then, yeah, as Chris, as Chris said, I think last year I do remember seeing that there were like, Quali- there was a qualifying run, wasn't there, in New York and LA? I think so, yeah. Uh, through Netflix. Netflix are actually very, to be fair to them, they are very good at pushing uh, their film acquisitions mm-hmm. um, for awards. Because, uh, you know, it makes them look great and legit. But the trouble is, is that um, there's been a lot of controversy around um whether that disqualifies the film from uh uh serious awards recognition that's kind of i don't know this is just me speaking personally mm-hmm. that seems kind of silly it is the trouble is i think the film industry is full of a lot of fuddy duddies <laughs> And, um, you know, like, for instance, uh, in the live-action world, um, (laughs) Okja, the Netflix movie that was released earlier this year, premiered in Cannes. Right, And when the Netflix logo came up, people booed it in the cinema. What? Just because they... Well, because Netflix is basically contributing to people not going to the cinema, right? Oh. Why watch it? Like, you know, how often have you had someone say, is it on Netflix? Or... Uh, oh, I'll wait until it's on Netflix or something. Okay, yeah, now I've I certainly been the... guilty of saying that. So now I see where the controversy maybe, lies. Okay, maybe that's why the Little Prince got overlooked because of its strange, staggered worldwide uh, release. Mm-hmm. But we, really I think, liked it. we did really like it, and I think yes. it's it's um, you know, the double-edged sword with Netflix is it really gets your film seen mm-hmm. in ways that traditional uh, limited releases, which is what tends to happen with uh, independent films, do not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So congratulations to Mark Osborne on that. Friend of the yeah. show, Mark Osborne. Yeah! Who came, yeah! On, who came on the show... Almost exactly one year ago, I, I discovered because. Oh my gosh, it's been that long, hasn't it? Oh it, my gosh. It came up on my. On this day in Facebook. Oh, really? Oh my. Oh, yes. That was such a good. That was such a good episode. Yeah, so if you haven't heard that, listen to that. It's really good. Um, other awards. Um, a, a kids' show called Hey Dougie uh, won for best preschool animation. And, uh, Big Hey Dougie fan here. I love Hey Dougie. You and my and my three year old nephew. He loves Hey Dougie. Uh, it's it's on um, it's on CBBS, which is the BBC's like preschool channel. Which 
well, you don't really think about it, but it's kind of CBBS is a really cute name when you. It's it's like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and it, there's I, also they also have a great YouTube channel, a great official YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So if you're curious, check out Hey Dougie on YouTube, because even if you're not three years old, uh, you know you can appreciate the gorgeous design on the show. And also, CBBS have. Um, the weirdest thing they have is the, this is obviously a bit off topic, but they have um, a book at bedtime, and they they get celebrities in to do it. And my my nephew was watching, and uh, like the the most random people came up. It was like it started off being like you know some children's presenter from the UK, and then then it was Chris Evans, and not the ginger Wait. Chris Evans from the UK, huh? in America. Captain America, and then and then it was Dolly Parton. Um, Love it. And they've also had um, they've had Tim Peake, who's an astronaut, British astronaut. Uh, I remember earlier in the the year when Tom Hardy did the book of bedtime, it broke like Facebook and Twitter for me (laughs) because it was just a bunch of. Young Tim, moms yeah. and young ladies just going mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's like the Beatles all over again. Ah! Yeah, it's just the most random people. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome, though. But Captain that was, America. That was the weirdest bit. Like, Hang on. That, that's like, what? What's Captain America doing on Book of Bedtime? It kind of makes sense because I guess they film all the Avengers movies now in London. Yeah, a lot really, a lot. So, yeah, so he probably he's, he spends a long they spend a long time uh, of a long part of their year mm. in the UK. I think <laughs> a, a friend of mine uh, went to a climbing club and saw Mark Ruffalo. And, you know, <laughs> oh, get they're, out! They're, yeah, they're about. They're about. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Kids Baftas, any other big uh, winners? Well, Hey Dougie also won an interactive award uh, for, I don't know if it's an app or, um, or if it's an on, online game or something. Um, it was, but it's a Hey Dougie interactive thing called We Love Animals, I think. Uh, and the general animation category went to Revolting Rhymes from Magic Light Pictures, um, which is, was their Christmas special based on Roald Dahl. Um, book um blue zoo animation studio was named independent production company of the year and spongebob squarepants won the international category and best game went to pokemon go (laughs) that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all so that is the animation related news from the children's bastards so well done to everyone and you can check out all the winners by the show notes good job uh, mark good job little prince team and another bit of british related animation news uh is related to our our favorite people at Ardman animation Woo! Uh, who in, in time for christmas as uh, they've launched an interesting thing called the um charity turkey dash and this is this is um a thing that's Ardman are doing in collaboration with PayPal and Channel 4, the UK TV channel. Um, basically, they've created eight different turkeys. Uh, obviously, this is an amazing idea. 
Yeah, uh, it really is. And each turkey represents a British charity. Um, uh, we've got the Royal British Legion, which is um, basically the, like the army charity, like veterans, um, uh, also who, who sell poppies, which is the big remembrance thing. Um, the LGBT, L, uh, LGBT Foundation, uh, that's self-explanatory. Uh, the Blue Cross, which is an animal charity. Uh, Save the Children, again, I think you know what that is. Um, a charity called Click Sergeant. Uh, which is Young Lives versus Cancer. Uh, Sue Ryder, which is a like a hospice charity. The RNLI, uh, which is the Royal National Lifeboat Institute uh, charity that my dad is very keen on because he he's an old lifeboat man. He used, oh. to, he used to he used to be a lifeboat man in his mm-hmm. younger days. We we did Dover and used to go out <laughs> in the middle. Get, get the flare go up in the middle of the night and had to run out and go and rescue people in boats. <laughs> what was that? We, like, what, know, what was that? I was oh, trying, like, yeah. sound, I was, I was trying to, to make it more atmospheric. I was getting, I was getting drawn in <laughs> by your description. Theatre of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last charity is um, uh, the Mental Health Foundation. Uh-huh. Um, I love oh. all the names. I love all the names of the you, you miss all the names, yeah. Oh okay, yeah. so let me let me let me go through them. I got them right in front okay. of me right here. Okay. So for the Royal British Legion, we've got Poppy Pexalot as their uh their turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh the LGBT Foundation has Rainbow Rebel, who's looking nice. pretty awesome. <laughs> Blue Cross has got Gregory Peck. <laughs> Save the children is slay my name. <laughs> um, CLIC Sergeant is uh, Cluck Sergeant. Mm-hmm. Sue Ryder is Nurse Feathers. And um, I'm sorry, pronou- make sure I'm pronouncing this right. The um, further the R N L I is mm-hmm. Captain McStuffing. <laughs> and the Mental Health Foundation is Happy Go Clucky. Yeah, obviously you could Those have Those are the. Those are the charity turkeys for the Dash lineup. So if you want to train these guys, you have to make a donation to each of the respective foundations. So we'll see. That's great. That's such a good idea. Oh, my God. So the idea is that they're basically going to animate a race based on the results of how people donate to these charities. Yes. And it's going to be screened uh, on TV on December the 15th. Yeah. So um, on December the 15th, there's basically going to be a televised race of the turkeys uh, that's going to be shown during JB and Jimmy's Friday night feast at 8 p.m. on Channel 4. And uh, the turkey that got the most donations is going to win. Uh, the train you, your turkeys. The more you donate, the faster they dash. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's done with CG. I don't think they're going to be, uh, we're going to do stop motion. <laughs> Because <laughs> they sure? I don't. I thought. Well, I just assumed that it would be too. <laughs> You've got more eagles' eyes than I do. It looks like stop mode to me. It does, but it they might. wouldn't do that to us, Chris. I just know you're right. It is CG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I. It'd just be a bit. It'd be a bit much, wouldn't it, to do it as stop motion? <laughs> be like, oh yeah. well, because you. Presumably, what they've got to do is they've got to do all the race, or they've got to 
do a vic- they've got to do one with each per- turkey winning. <laughs> yeah, because we won't know until a certain date. Well, I'm guessing like the the I'm guessing it's gonna like what's the word? It's gonna close at a certain point, and the whole race isn't gonna be mm-hmm. the winner. They only need to change like eight shots at the end, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. Anyway, it's cool. Yeah, this is yes. an extremely cool concept, and uh, especially for if it's going for charity, this is just brilliant. Good good on you, Ardman. So, find the information in the show notes if you'd like to donate and make your turkey win. Train that turkey, like I said. So, so you, the, you train him by donating. <laughs> Okay, and a trailer has come out this week uh, for a Netflix TV series by the name of Devil Man Crybaby, which is being directed by one Masaki Yuasa, which is relevant to our conversation today. (laughs) Um, He's so busy. He's so busy. How does he have time to, like, eat, sleep, breathe when he's just constantly, like, for this past year, he's just been working on movie after movie after series, just like, how you do it, man? How? Maybe maybe it's that, it's that old, you know, that old thing with buses. Mm. You wait for one and three come along at once. Maybe it works like that. I can't imagine, I don't know, I literally can't imagine how he's done it either. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but this is this is an adaptation of mm-hmm. a um, of a quite an old um, manga uh, comic, um, which has had a few adaptations uh, in in the past. Yes, from Gonagai, who's like one of the longest uh, working um, people in the manga and anime industry, in that. 2018 will mark his 50th anniversary in manga and anime. So this project is being made to celebrate his 50th anniversary. Um, And Devilman is uh, the original concept uh, was about a um, a young a young guy called Akira Fudo, and he um, he discovers about that demons are a real thing, and um, he ends up basically like allowing a, a demon to possess him but he because he's such a good person he, <laughs> he 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 can take control of so he's like in control of the devil rather than the other way around and then he uses his powers to fight other dev- devils and demons hmm. and yeah um so to to become a demon no wait wrong way around to to fight demons you must become a demon or something Okay, so it's going to be like a monster. I wouldn't say it's a monster of the week kind of uh, prem. I mean, it, it does it, it does uh, hint that there's going to be a lot of like fighting other other demons that are disguised as people. But it also seems like at least with the um, this particular adaptation, it's going to try and take a, the focus to a, a different place. I think from the original source material, I, I'm not familiar with either. Either so you're going to have to enlighten me on that. <laughs> I'm only vaguely familiar with it. I, I, I get the impression that um, 
from somewhere. I can't, I can't remember where. Um, that he was kind of a revolutionary in that it was one of the first popular uh, manga comics that was explicitly mature Mm. and for like adult audiences I I think okay I might be remembering that completely wrong which is useful um I have seen a little bit of Devil Met. I have. There was a like a 1990s um, revival that was like a two-part video series um, that got released in the UK, the US, by Manga Entertainment back in the day on video. So that's how far we're going back. Um, and it was actually shown on Channel Four at late night when I was when I was a youth. And I, I set set the video recorder for it, and I watched it, and it was really not suitable for the age I was. But it was, <laughs> it was only the second episode I saw, and uh, Akira had uh, had to fight um, uh, this lady called Celine, who was a devil, uh, like a devil woman, uh, who had I think she had she had um, wings in her head. Um, oh yeah, that's one of the character designs you see in the trailer. And for no real reason, she was like naked the whole time. Uh, we all know the reason, Chris. There was, there was, there were, yeah, there were boobs, quite a few boobs in this. But as I said, inappropriate for the age I was. But uh-huh. I, I remember, um, I remember it disturbed me because the demon stuff was actually quite freaky there was um mm-hmm. oh, there, yeah there was this um there was this demon that had that was like a turtle shell like a had a big tur like a big turtle demon that had its shell and in the back of the shell people's souls are trapped and you saw uh-huh. uh, is it like um Envy from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, where he turns into the big giant green thing, and then there's all those like faces of souls like coming to like like reaching out of his skin. Yeah, there was like faces in in the um uh the um in the shell moaning, Ooh. and yeah, they were all conscious. And I think one of them was his mum. It was. It oh, was, that's disturbing. It was really disturbing, especially as you oh, know man. <laughs> when it was like I know. 14 or so, 12, I, well, I don't I have no idea when it was, actually. But. So this is going to be very dark. Just just put that, just put, I mean, obviously with the name, like, Devil Man as mm. the t- title, of course it's going to go to some pretty dark places. But, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's, I think that's part of the things that I find striking about it, at least with the looking at this particular trailer for this adaptation coming out. Um, I don't know, like, maybe if it's just the, the way that they're choosing to animate the film, or animate the uh, the series looks just very like very striking. I guess is the best word I can uh, I can use to describe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it... I dare, dare say that's Yuasa, his 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 influence being let off the leash. Mm-hmm. It's so weird that this exists. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> it's great. It's great. I can't I can't wait because um, it's sort of I mean with the exception of. Uh, uh, Little Witch Academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like one of the first 
um, like more creator driven uh, anime uh, projects that Netflix has commissioned, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, as, as far as I can see, in, in my opinion, at least, it's it feels it feels like that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and then what, I believe when is this coming out to Netflix? I think it is uh, next year, actually. Well, it's on Netflix Japan from the fifth of January. It's on. Ah. I I believe it's everywhere from fifth of January. Really? Right. They've kept that quiet. They've kept that quiet. Netflix like keeping those things quiet, don't they? You it's like, like it's, surprise. Well, it's like how it's like how they've been advertising the the nonsense out of. Um, Black Mirror this week, mm. as we speak, and it's pretty clear that like they're just gonna say, "Oh yeah, by the way, it's 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 available on Christmas Day or something." Yeah, it's, but like they love not telling people, which is kind of interesting because it's so <laughs> the opposite from what we're used to, where things yeah. are yeah, just completely um, like telegraphed from in production for ages, and then they just go. Uh, no, wait, it's, it's out now. <laughs> yeah, the same with uh, Voltron Legend Legendary Defender. Just like, oh, new season's coming up in about a month or so, guys. Get ready for it. So it's just like, wait, what? That soon? So, yeah, you can watch... The Jap the Japanese trailer was released on... Um, uh, was released on Netflix, but... I mean, on, on YouTube. But if you actually go to Netflix uh, and you look up Devil Man Cry, baby, the, the trailer... Is on English in English, on there. Oh, cool! Because so they, um, yeah, they're producing dubs in I think uh, like nine languages, and then Ooh. there's subtitled versions in about twenty something different languages. So, dang, this is what people kind of I think they don't necessarily realise with Netflix. So why does it take so long for this anime to come out? On well, they are producing a dub in like <laughs> nine different languages. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work and having to change change uh, line delivery and mm. get things synced up right, translating. That's a lot I'm of sure. work. People, I don't think people get enough credit for that when they're trying to, you know, when you're trying to expand and to get to that's true. watch it in several different countries. That's a lot of work. So. That's true. I mean, to, uh, to be fair, it's probably slightly made slightly easier by the fact that it was probably happening as production was uh, mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. um but you're right yeah that is that is a big deal um yeah it's gonna be awesome can't wait oh, can't yeah. wait oh especially after uh what we watched today which we'll be discussing in mo momentarily i'm after experiencing that and that was type you know first experience with uh misaki yuasa i am very looking very much looking forward to a different experience which will be this will be this will provide it looks really cool <laughs> I love battle anime, guys. <laughs> I I did realise that I think we actually forgot to talk about something in the last episode. If you, sorry, I just wanted to mention, like, if you really cannot wait for Devilman Crybaby, um, check out um, there was a series that Masaki Yuasa made um, back in I think two thousand and six mm -hmm. uh, called Kamonozume. Um, it's. I think it's the first thing of his that I saw. Oh. Um, it translates roughly to Beast Claw. And it's basically about like this uh, 
this gang, this like criminal, like mafia style gang, um, who all have this sort of um, uh, double life as kind of like werewolves. They turn into monsters. Okay. Um, and it's I'm getting like similar vibes from the Dead Man Cry Baby trailer. Uh, okay. To Kimonozume. Really worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. I will I will see if I can maybe save that for next next time we uh for next water cooler. Cool. Yeah, I just I just realized after we recorded last week that I don't believe we mentioned the fact that the Incredibles 2 trailer is out on Oh right, that trailer yeah. that just came out this past week. The most watched trailer in like history, animation history, Pixar history. Yeah, animation really? history. I didn't realize it had broken that many records, but okay, I'm I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's the Incredibles, and the Incredibles are awesome. So, <laughs> no, it's it's not the Incredibles. It's Incredibles two. It's not. I know. There's no there. It's just. Incredibles 2. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so it's like it's like a statement. Like Jack's... Inc- is, that, is that what you're saying? No. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's saying uh, there are more of them. It's not just the Incredibles. It's more Incredibles. Oh. But, but, it, but it reads like Incredibles also. Oh, yeah, maybe. Right? Incredibles 2. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Like we're... we're 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 both angry, aren't I? It looked good. It looked good. I saw lots of people. <laughs> Did you see that meme that was going around where people were like, "Okay, this is why it took them, you know, fifteen years," and they'll zoom in. They zoomed in on on Bob's uh, like polo shirt that he's wearing, uh-huh. and it has fluff on it, like it's <laughs> been through a few washes. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> really yeah yeah that's cool oh my god it's 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 basically i think all we can really all i can really say at least is like it's very much a classic pixar announcement trailer where Mm -hmm. it's it's not footage from the movie but it's it's giving you an idea of tone and it's like an announcement it's like a proper teaser trailer yeah yeah not showing you not not really giving any story details just Having just proof that this is a thing that's happening, and a little bit of an, you know cute animation to go with it, mm-hmm. which I like. I like it that they're keeping the general scope of what this is about under wraps for now. Just let it speak for itself. <laughs> okay, shall we move on to our main discussion? Uh, yeah, sure. I hope I'm ready for it because I'm still, I think I'm still in that kind of like post movie, like still processing mode where I'm just like, okay, I just watched a thing. <laughs> How do I feel about that thing? <laughs> Believe it or not, like it, when we get to the water cooler, there is another film that I saw earlier this week that I think I'm, even though it's been a few days, I'm still doing that, but this is just the more immediate. I just literally just watched this before we, we, uh, hopped on to record so i'm just like oh man where where do i even begin <laughs> right okay so lou over the wall we are going to talk about lou over the wall the new film ah. from masaki yuasa from 2017 the uh film that is about it's his first family film uh it is about 
a a little mermaid little mermaid girl <laughs> and uh, well it, it's i suppose you say it's about a guy rather than, well how would you <laughs> yeah it's, how would you define them? well it's um guy meets mermaid girl story it's yeah. not it's not really guy meets girl makes it sound like a romance and it's not really it's not real no by no, um by it's all not means at not. all it's it's like it's an ensemble like there's obviously like a main character that you follow but it's kind of an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this village by by the sea where, like, there's basically sort of a fishing village and everything. And people talk a bit about about mer people, and they go, "Oh, the mer people! Oh, mer people are bad." Except yeah, most people some... don't. Most people don't yeah. believe in them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like this ancient, like. Um, story that's been passed down to generations of when you know um mer people like there was this like there was this bad interaction between humans and mer people and then a curse was put on you know to make sure that they didn't interact with each other and then now we get to see the what why that is i guess so let's find out like um actually see that mer people actually do exist and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and there are there's there's a middle school guy and his friends and they they've got a little band and uh then basically he meets he meets Lou who is a a mer person mermaid uh person um and she comes into the human world a bit uh they can only come out when it's dark or when they're not in the sun um yeah, they can't be in the sun otherwise they set on fire yeah because uh, in in this apparently mermaids are vampire rules. <laughs> uh, they can't come into the light, and if they bite you, you become one. It, no, yeah. So it's an interesting it's an interesting play on just mermaid the the ambiguity of mermaid mythology because really it it, it depends on who's telling the story. Like sometimes mermaids are just very are you know gentle like uh, water elemental spirits. Others they're like you know, they will eat your face if you piss them off and or they summon storms to sink sailors mm-hmm. or they sing siren songs that lure sailors to their deaths. It's it it really it's it's a wide variety of different like perspectives on what these creatures actually are. So I kind of really enjoyed the um the fact that this movie had a chance to really enjoy the ambiguity of those tales and really kind of take advantage of it for the story it was trying to tell. So yeah, the plot is basically that he becomes friends with the mermaid, and they have some wacky hijinks, and then, and then, then, then the pe- people in in the town discover that mer people are real, and then eventually they turn against the mer people, and then, but then, et cetera, et cetera, I, events ensue because I don't want to give away too much. But yeah, yeah, it's it's really not it's not. Spoilery per se, it's just a lot of stuff that you ha- really have to see to believe. <laughs> that's at least that's my personal take on it. But it's not the plot really that's the um, the thing in this because it's a Masaki Yuasa film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing really is the animation. <laughs> and boy, howdy, is there some really like really insanely awesome animation in this? Like. I from I would for like long periods of time I would just be like looking at the screen watching this movie and just with my, my mouth just kind of gaping open just like what am I watching this is amazing. 
Yes, I I feel much the same. And <laughs> Rachel and I both believe this to be our first Misaki Uasa experience. Pretty much, I I have seen like bits of his animation. I've seen uh, his Space Dandy episodes. I can't remember how many he did. I think it. I, I think he might have done an episode and also like an intro or something like that at some point. Um, but Dan, you are more, you are a, a Uasa fan. I am. I am a big Uasa fan. He is. Um, he's a really, really interesting director. He's. I mean, it's easy. It's easy uh, to talk about his uniqueness because he. He really pushes the uh, visual limits of what's considered anime. I mean, anime being like a sort of like pop art form mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has to conform to certain like stylistic uh, looks. And, you know, there's that old, old, old conversation that I'm sure we can't be bothered to have about how anime looks very similar. Uh, <laughs> um, well- no, continue. Like I said, like we can't be about this. <laughs> nah. Like, I was thinking about it like, nah, let's not. Let's not Yeah. Um and he does but he but like even within like his own uh evolution, he's constantly uh stylistically challenging himself and uh changing his uh the look of each movie appropriate to each project. Um and like T V series. He's he's also I mean for the last uh since uh, 2004, uh, he's been working in TV, actually. Uh, 2004, he brought out Mind Game, um, an amazing movie, a real, like, uh, sort of, uh, what's the word, like, midnight movie, like, art house madness animation film that sort of quickly uh, became, like, a favourite amongst, like, its very rabid, like, fan base, and um, he made a big impression with that. And then since then, he's sort of been working in TV uh, pretty consistently. Um, uh, he he made a, a series called Kaiba, which is excellent. Um, oh, sorry, I guess Komono Zume actually came before Kaiba. And then since then, he's, you know, he's done uh, Ping Pong, the animation series, uh, uh, manga adaptation, and the Tatami Galaxy. Okay. All right. Uh, so you know he's been he's he's actually a very prolific director. And um, what I will say is that um, the fact that this is a family movie, Lou Over the Wall, um, it is very interesting because he usually deals with more mature themes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 really good thing is that um, you know it, this isn't. You ask the light you're getting. Okay. It's 100% like the spirit and energy of all of his uh, all of his other productions is in this movie. Oh wow, that's good. That's good to know. So basically, when I mean, obviously, I'd have to look at the other you know the other projects he's worked on that you're that you've talked about to kind of get an idea. But that's that's good that he basically approached this same project with the same enthusiasm and energy that he has for all of his previous ones. And that, oh, that, that sure. speaks to, that speaks a lot about him as a director. Yeah. Yeah. And actually now I think of it, he, he actually did begin, he did start his career like working on uh, Chibi Maruko Kun and uh, Shin Chan. Uh, TV oh, show oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
so he's not like a, he's not a stranger to uh you know to family audiences really mm-hmm. but it is interesting that you mentioned that um his uh how he experiments with style and trying to change things up in terms of how each project is presented because i i will say this in terms of my first impression for this movie that it looked like because i've seen quite a few uh films you know and who you could call anime films in terms of you know whether they be tied to a specific anime property or if they're just an independent feature film. Mm This looks like nothing I've ever seen before in regards to this particular style. And and that's something that really kind of caught me off guard, but also I really embraced after like, say the first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it, it it does. It's 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 very interesting to hear that because I so I saw this movie um, directly after watching the other. Let's just like realize how crazy the sentence is. The other feature film that he released this year, oh, right. um, yeah. the night is short. Walk on girl, which is uh, kind of like stylistically more, I guess, abstract. I guess. Mm-hmm. And this is, I guess you'd call it more orthodox because, I don't know, there are more painted backgrounds or something. But you're right, it doesn't look like other anime at all. Oh. Yeah. It's really, really spectacular. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> losing my voice a little bit. Um, but, yeah, like, it's definitely with what the uh, the animation, like, especially with the, the water effects in this movie are just really 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 cool and pretty and then of course you've got Lou's design which is just like I don't know what I like when I just saw her for the first time or when we see her for the first time and looking at her design it's I kind of got Ponyo vibes like I mean I mean that's probably the immediate thing you could compare it to that like that big wide smile and just, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fact that she does all these really supernatural and crazy things, but they're also really sweet and charming. But I don't know. There's also enough distinctness about the design itself with this one that you just like, yeah, it's, it's definitely see, can draw some comparisons to Ponyo, but it's still, it's very much its own entity. Yeah, it's definitely a very audacious thing to, to uh, I mean, I guess it was almost 10 years ago that Ponyo came out. But still, to make a film which... On paper, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of synopsis, is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, it's it it does draw off a lot of, you know, um, local mythology and local folklore, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I guess, it, it's kind of, you know, you might end up having, you know, the Coco Book of Life kind of uh, yeah. discussion where it's yeah. like can we not make two things from the same from the same pool no well, no yeah well it's well here's the real like in regards to that this is my you know my personal perspective because really i mean both of these stories both ponyo and uh lou over the wall i mean the fact that it has a secondary main character or a partial main character that is a mermaid like you could draw comparisons to The Little Mermaid, not just the animated film, but the, just the story mm-hmm. of The Little Mermaid. And there's been several different interpretations of that beyond actual literature to the animated films. I mean, there were animated films of The Little Mermaid story even before Disney took a crack at it. And you can obviously argue quality, but at the same time, this is a story that has been 
you know, repeated. And just because it has been repeated over and over doesn't mean that when it is interpreted by someone else, doesn't mean that that person can't bring something new to the story, like a new, like, yeah. take on it. And that's, I welcome yeah. that. I've I've got to say, within the first five minutes, I was not thinking of Ponyo. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it starts differently enough, that it, and then even when it gets into, you know, familiar elements, it's still different enough that you can still enjoy it. And still the, treat each other, treat each movie as a separate entity. The only time I really thought about Ponyo was one bit when I'm pretty sure there was a cameo of a character who was clearly modelled on the main character from Ponyo. Not Ponyo, the, the, the little boy, who I forgot okay. his name. I am Sasuke. pretty Sasuke. I believe he had the same haircut and the same clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a little, there's a little, aha, little Easter egg in there. Yeah, I'm sure there there are a few intentional nods. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's a really different movie to Ponyo, and it it's is. and it's like approach. One of my favorite things about it is how, um, and I think this is this is probably true of Jurassic in general. Maybe uh, he's like he, it doesn't. It's not afraid to be a film that's very um, that, that that's kind of modern. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like you know people using phones and yeah. being on Twitter and stuff, and it's it's um it's really exciting when uh you believe characters in animation because they're even if even if the world doesn't look like ours if they're just behaving and doing normal things mm-hmm. um it really i know personally it really draws me in it is it is a very it, it is a movie that draws you in very much and uh gosh i'm trying to remember like i think it was actually when you're talking about this you know the kind of the modern aspect to it like i remember like just this one scene like if i may talk specifically about a scene earlier in the movie if I if you feel like I should stop you know just go ahead and stop me but there's a one scene where I think it's um where uh our main protagonist uh Kai first officially meets Lou mm-hmm. by um you know he, he's playing music in his room or wherever he's hanging out and uh, it draws her to him because she likes the music and after their like their first kind of sort of meeting earlier in the film where they almost got in trouble and he lost his phone in the water and she gives it back to him. Mm-hmm. And then just the scene, like he just like, Oh, you brought back my phone. Thank you. <laughs> I kind of need this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it was a very honest, it was a very honest uh, acting moment. That I just was like, Oh, thank you. I needed my phone. I thought I lost <laughs> it forever. Thank you very much. And she's just like, yay. I, I love the whole thing, like, that she can control water. Mm-hmm. So you've got, like, like when he's in a, like, when he's in the school and there's, she's outside the window and there's, like, there's, like, water, it's a, there's water outside the window. So she's outside there. <laughs> she's just floating there. Yeah. Love that. And it's, yeah, it's just so creative. And I, right, I need, as I was saying, this is my first UASA experience more or less um i have to be honest i know lots of uh people like you ask as someone who's who appeals like outside anime community just to re- real animation fans i think 
really appreciate. Yeah, that's true. I think that's yeah. very true. And I, I, I hadn't seen any of his films, but I, I kind of had this inkling. I was thinking, I'm not sure if this his stuff's for me. Just looking, just like looking at little clips and stuff. I'm like, oh no, no, because I've, I've uh, sort sort of alluded before that I'm a bit of a, I'm I'm a bit, I don't know, don't know what you'd say. I'm not that adventurous sometimes. It, I kind you of like, like what you like. Yeah, I I I kind mm-hmm. of like things that look look um sort of consistent and stuff. And I I'm not a big fan of abstract animation and things like that. And like, uh, for example, when we discussed the episode of um, uh, my entire high school sinking into the sea, I was right, not yeah. I was not digging that. Mm-hmm. I, I found the I found the animation style kind of obnoxious, and and I was I was wondering if my experience with Uasa was going to be the same, but uh-huh. it was it wasn't. I loved it, ah. I, and I now want to see all these things because I, <laughs> I mean, I this like the animation. There's in a way there's kind of sort of a flatness to some of his animation, sort of simple simplistic look to it. And it doesn't. Um, this is. It's like fl- it's fluid. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like everything's got to be on model all the time. And you know that's something that you could criticize. But it it it's got such life, and it's so. It's it really um, it really works, <laughs> and I can see why some people would not like it. But mm-hmm. I I did find that it really it it just really worked for me, and uh, yeah. So basically, what I'm saying is, I am now on the U.S. train. Yep, same here. I think we, we've, you've, uh, the U.S. train has two more, two more people on board because it's this is. Choo-choo. I wasn't too, <laughs> I wasn't too sure about it at first, but then I just really kind of just like the love the, what, what's the word like? Is I don't know the um, squash and stretch mm. elements in this movie mm-hmm. when this when this when the abstract imagery really gets going and it just it. At first, it threw me off, but then the more like I was just watching and how it plays into the whole film, it's just like, oh, this is actually really good. It kind of just kind of like takes your expectations off what you th- what kind of movie you think this is going to be, and then they just kind of it, it stretches, you know, it, it 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 plays with it a little bit, and I really enjoyed that. It kind of made me always guess where this film was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say, uh, uh, as much as this is. Yuasa like clearly going for a family audience. Mm-hmm. Um, he's managed to sneak in an experimental animation movie yes. <laughs> in there as well. Um, and it's but, it, but, but like the 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 sort of um, there there is like a very appealing sort of wonkiness to everything, mm-hmm. and it's like the backgrounds like themselves are sort of drawn with like this fisheye lens kind of wonkiness to them, and the drawings are not. Um, what you would call rigidly perfect. There mm-hmm. is, but it's so exciting because it means that everyone is expressing, is is given all the artists are given room to express themselves in in ways that you wouldn't usually in a normal film. And it's yeah. a real, uh, it, um, it's a sign of like a master director, animation director. Um, I feel uh, when uh, you know he allows for space for his team to 
to be fun and expressive, yet it still holds together um, as a piece of entertainment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that has a lot to do with his, um, his roots, starting off in TV animation and um, in, uh, you know, on, on Shin-chan, on the Shin-chan movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also working in TV, you know, he has a really good sense of story, actually, um, which uh, isn't what people talk about because it's not his most showy aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I love this movie. I mean, just the design and the colors and everything. Oh, yeah, it's very know, bright. Win you over before. I don't know before the story really gets rolling for me at least. Yeah, yeah, I I was I was in very very early. <laughs> like like just pretty much as soon as it got going I was like, "Oh, I'm in. This is <laughs> this has got me." Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he's done things like um he's done things like uh the water, you know, how she can control the water. I love that. Like she's a sort of, you know, avatar style mm. water bender. Is <laughs> is um you know is pretty much just a decision to for for animation you know to make expressive fun effects animation mm-hmm. um which is yeah which is great <laughs> trust yeah, me. i've never i've never seen like i mean i know i've seen um, animated films experiment with water effects before but nothing quite like this this one was just kind of like balls to the wall just like okay what can we do with this how can we make this interesting? I mean, like literally the whole scene, like I was describing earlier where um, Lou and uh, Kai officially meet each other, where she kind of like guides the water, you know, into his room, like the room that he's in and just kind of, he's on the ground. She's just above him and they're interacting with each other with him, like trying to keep her quiet because she's reacting to the music and is being very enthusiastic, enthusiastic and trying to sing with it. And he's like, Shh, I need you to be quiet. <laughs> Like that entire exchange was just magical. It was just the, the, there's really no better word I can use to describe it. It was just it was very charming, very just it's just so adorable. And also I will never accept anyone saying it flash animation is rubbish again ever. Because Yes. Go, well look yeah. at this. Look at <laughs> this is what it's capable of. I it, would well it's made I, in flash. Really? Yes, yes that's true. Huh. So, um, I just uh, I, I feel I need a slight clarification, not clarification, but a, uh, an addendum. Oh, okay. It is flash animation, and that it's literally made in flash. But Yuasa has developed a way of working with flash, which is feels pretty unique just to him. Um, what he, a lot of the animation is still traditionally. As uh, it still is the way in Japan, uh, uh, unbelievably enough, drawn on paper, and then I think it's like cleaned up and in between in Flash. Oh, so okay. what he's able to do is cut out um, a very expensive process, um, which would otherwise, you know, push the budget of his movie astronomically. That's interesting. Um, so. It's it's quite masterful what he's done, yeah. Um, but I think it's uh, it's worth noting that there's a degree of effort still, which exceeds like your usual 
quote unquote usual flash animation set. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I did, um, so I, I was lucky enough earlier in the year um, to interview uh, Yuasa um, about both his movies um, that, that were, that, were that, um, that he was releasing this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked him about Flash and uh, you can read the response very soon <laughs> on the website. Well, well, by the time this comes out, I'm sure you can read it already. <laughs> sure. I, I, the, the, gist, the gist of it basically was that he was uh, very keen to specify that there was, as um, you know, lots of um, animators are when it comes to the question of technology, um, there was no, there was very little automatic process about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting, oh, he just presses a button that says animate, which I think is what people think. I think that's what, when people, some people, they think computer animation, they think, oh, it takes, it's all the skill out. They just press the big red button that says animate. They go, done. <laughs> which is obviously not true at all. But it's, I, I think, in, I can't blame people for it because the phenomenon is basically the holy grail, mm. right? It's like, well, well, one day they'll figure out how to do it without us. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, as, as things feel like they become slightly more automatic, like with, um, like the animojis, mm. ah. um, I think people, you know, there's, there, there's, there's almost like a, a mentality, um, that wants to eradicate, uh, the human effort uh, in, involved, um, but yeah, I think he's he's used, you know, like great artists use the tools to tell tell the story, and Flash works really well for. Um, it was interesting you were using the word like everything feels quite fluid mm. uh, because it's story you know, set by set by the water, mm. so thematically it, it works really well. Yep, definitely. And the other thing that really works well with it, I think, is the fact this is a very musical film, and it's sort of <laughs> the uh, so that sort of the fluid, vibrant sort of animation style goes well with that because it's sort of I don't know, it, it's like it's it's flowing the music and it's mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, no you're, yeah, you're saying you're saying you're yeah. describing the movie perfectly. I think. It all ties into the theme. Like any good, solid film, everything in, in it is all adding to the theme. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, the the other movie he made this year, The Night is Short, Walk on Girl, um, is also quite a musical film. Um, uh-huh. there, there are literally, uh, you know, musical, uh, stage musical se- segments in that film uh, oh, too. Man. Um, and it really stood out uh, watching both those movies, uh, both these movies as a double bill. Mm. Um, how much it, it he 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 is the sort of filmmaker who's going for like you know like an experiential you know jam session kind of mm. feel. We said that it's quite it's like not the easiest you know it's a film that it's hot, you know it's not one of these films that it's not like a big twist or anything to. 
mm-hmm. like spoiler wise or anything but i i guess like we might want to sort of sum up and then do a sort of just you know finer details sort of discussion yeah. okay, okay. Like, finer details like, of the film. like little bits that we really liked or whatever that people sure. might not want to necessarily hear if they haven't seen so we just sum up this bit and then go into a sort sure. of spoilery bit mm-hmm. sure sure sound fair enough yeah uh so yeah i really really like this movie it really caught me by surprise it's it's just really fun and i it's um we said about being a family movie i'd say but i'd say it's like you know it's sort of slightly it's not there's anything unsuitable in it but it's sort of like like the fact that the main characters are so they're middle schoolers, so what are they like fourteen, fifteen? So is that I, I get a bit confused with the um different because we we just have primary school and secondary school pretty much. So mm-hmm. so when you start saying middle school and stuff, it's like what's that? <laughs> they it feels like they're about. I think the main character is meant to be fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would that would seem about right. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it feels a bit you know, a bit older than Ponyo, basically, sort of, which is aimed at, that was like, that was Miyazaki's film aimed at five-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, this is a film about, you know, making a band and mm. figuring yourself out and making and losing friends and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everything in between and also little uh, fantastic elements in the throw-in there too. So it's it's good. It's really, really enjoyable. So yeah, um, I I know it's played and I think it played at animation as film. Uh, I don't know what sort of release it's. I I looked it up. I didn't see any release date wider for America, unfortunately, at the moment. Darn. So so because I I don't because I obviously it was played at animation as film, but I don't know. I haven't. I don't know that G Kids actually have the rights to it or anyone else. So, um. At the moment, it looks like it's uh, just in the UK, um, and where you there is a cinema release on Ju- on December sixth, and then there'll be a home release like next year. Mm. Uh, so, any anyone want to say anything else before we get into the finer details discussion? No, all I can say is if you have the opportunity, go see it. Is if you uh, want to just take a look at something that's really just kind of like different animation fare, but it's just, or if you're a fan of uh, Yuasa, definitely go see this movie because it's it's a it's a, a lot of fun. Anything to add, Dan? Not really. No, it's you know there's just just pound for pound the ideas and the visual, uh, you know the visual ideas in the movie uh, just pound for pound exceeds anything I've seen this year apart from his other movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, uh, I just, I recommend checking it out. And especially, I would say, especially if you're not familiar, like, like Rachel was saying, if you're not familiar with Yuasa, mm-hmm. it's a really good um, jumping, jumping in point. Yeah, like I'm really super excited about Devilman Crybaby now that I've seen this Mm -hmm. movie. So now, like, I have an expectation going forward. So now I can go and see, you know, stuff of his that is coming out 
in the future and also look back at stuff he has done and having this as kind of like a solid jumping off point to like, okay, this is my example or to see like, you know, to start off with his, you know, with his work and let's see how previous work or future work will experiment with that or change. Okay, so if you don't want to hear sort of some finer elements of things that we liked, <laughs> you want to you want to stay unspoiled, then you can skip forward to the water cooler section. Uh, so here comes the slight the spoiler pool. We'll jump into the spoiler pool. See, I've themed it. Yeah, I've themed it. So um, <laughs> I don't really know if this is. Um, specific enough to be a spoiler, but I wanted to save it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mer puppies. <laughs> I love the mer puppies. That was like I wasn't sure what to make of that when they first introduced like the idea of like all these dogs in the shelter, and he's explaining you know why they're you know to you know Kai's explaining to Lou why they're in the shelter, and then she starts making this numbing motion with her mouth, and he's like, no, you don't eat them. But then she's like, no, that's like, she shakes her head. That's not what I'm talking about. And then she pulls them out of it and then starts biting them. I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And then they all start turning into Murdoch's. I'm like, oh, oh, that's, oh, um, that's, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's better than the shelter. And then, then, uh, then then they become recurring characters and it's adorable. (laughs) And, and one of them becomes, comes, um, Lou's pet. Yeah, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, There was a dark element to that subplot, though, because yeah. we find out that who that dog's original owner is and how yeah. he kind of abandoned him. It's like, oh, but he still saves him in the end, which is really sweet, but I'm just like, oh, that's a really dark angle to take with that character. Oh, my goodness. And there's Granny Octopus, <laughs> <laughs> who who looks like sort of old person you only get in anime the little tiny <laughs> tiny little woman she's kind of like the old very angry little woman the old people in like a Rimiko Takahashi series <laughs> like yep. the old people in Ranma one half type characters yeah yeah so that was cool uh, <laughs> and it's got like one of the I mean it's got the archetype archetypal thing of the fish out of water movie where <laughs> where where you meet an alien person and then you say oh uh, when they don't understand like human language or something mm-hmm. and, they go, and they point at themselves and they go i i i bob or whatever and i am name you are name and they go like oh hello name and they go no 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 bob hello no bob or whatever you know so they will get- <laughs> There's basically a, a perfect one of those where uh, he, like, yes. he gets completely mixed up with with what his name is or whatever, and it's very <laughs> very adorable and stuff. Oh my gosh, she is just she's just a bean. I love her. I love her. I love her. And, and I was I was thinking at one point, you know, there is a way that this same story of like, oh, there's a young guy and then a mermaid with no pants shows up and it could be like a very different story. In <laughs> <anime>. <laughs> it's like, no, this is completely innocent and nice. Yes. It's very charming and innocent. And it's just, yeah. And, and I will say this, another common like character design choice that I've just absolutely loved 
lose dad oh yeah he was cool. he's fantastic and i love him i love the scene when he flings his his suitcase over his shoulder I know. And, it, and it's like meant to be his grand gesture but he the suitcase is so tiny <laughs> on the back of his shoulder it, it barely has any effect i love like by the by the way about um like her her loose design mm-hmm. and the way her um her tail like morphs into feet every now and again. Yeah, I love that. There's something, the big like round feet um, and also like the round feet when like people are dancing. um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Reminded me a lot of like uh, American like 40s animation. Yeah. Like uh, like Fleischer, like the Fleischer animation or um, Tex Avery. Yeah, I was thinking Tex Avery, like like the the best comparison like when this when this animation really gets like loose and moving, like for those dancing sequences, I was getting like some like like Looney Tunes vibe. Like really abstract yeah. kind of yeah. like animation that was used in those uh, cartoons. And I'm just like, wow, like this is like a blend between like the best of like the East and the West in terms of animation style, like just kind of meeting together in the middle and just having a ball. Yeah, totally. great. Yeah, it's it's really special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't exactly. I mean, I, it's hard to talk about the the you know the plot, I guess. Yeah, because with a movie like this, because it is so based on experience, and he's he he has it has like such energy that one scene can carry to the next, pretty much with just like visual ideas, and you vaguely know like how everyone's feeling and how it's all progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of going off of that was the idea, like I found it was really interesting, like, cause I mean, obviously characters are talking with each other and you know, that how it kind of helps move the story along outside of the actual animation itself. But I actually was surprised and like, typically I'm, you know, I try to focus on what's actually being said by the characters to know what's going on. But I actually noticed that there were certain points where I was actually kind of checking out of the um, the actual dialogue. I mean, I would still pay attention to figure out what was exactly going on, but I was a lot more interested in in how the the visuals were telling the story, not so much what the characters were saying, Mm. which really kind of baffled me a little Mm. bit that that's something that I normally don't, Mm -hmm. I mean, I focus on it for sure, but it's like, it's not, I don't know, I, I guess, Maybe I'm not really explaining it very well, but it's just like it, there's the, a leniency to focus more on the visual storytelling than the actual like written dialogue. You know, Spielberg's been accused of doing the same thing. Really? And, yeah, and he makes family movies, so maybe there's something in that. Uh, you know, you it's always clear uh, in terms of like emotion what's going on, even mm-hmm. if the ins and outs of hang on he's her uncle or that's they related is that you know like it's yeah that stuff matters less when you're having as much fun i think as this movie exactly exactly unless you have and i think it's kind of meant to feel a bit hectic and like overwhelming at times as well mm-hmm mm. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to. It, it, it's hard to like. Other than our very like specific favorite scenes, it's hard to like, you know, talk about the story as a whole. I mean, really, when it comes to, like we we kind of talked about earlier in the podcast, but it's basically just the idea of is Kai, who is this more of this like introverted, um, 
young man in middle school and he's been kind of he's kind of like talked into joining this band with two other uh kids who he goes to school with and then in the process of doing music making music with them that's what you know draws Lou to meet them because she loves music and he basically becomes more fascinated in her involvement in the group and that's kind of what encourages him to stay around but then he actually seems like he starts enjoying himself and then once we get to the aspect of you know oh people are discovering you know that Lou is a mermaid and mer people are real and oh no we might act you know they might she might get exploited and stuff like that and then we have I it's I guess it's the latter portions of the movie are really kind of hard to describe because it kind of feels like it's going through some you know similar motions to another you know other kind of stories of this type but it's just like oh you know but it still finds a way to not get trapped by it let's just put it that way i think that's the best way to describe it. it's like it just it the movie continues to flow from experience to experience and still tell a cohesive narrative by the end of it yeah flow is the right word go with the flow baby yeah, yeah just go yeah. with it yeah just, just go with it <laughs> i just, hope i'm not like shooting from the hip here with my with talking about this film because this is just my impression that i get I think it is that sort of movie to react to, though. It's and and react in that way, where you're just like, "Wow, oh, I love the bit when, oh, the people were jumping up and it looked really energetic." And oh, I can't quite describe it because you have to see it. You have to see it for that to make any sense. And I don't think that's a bad thing um, at all. Really, there's nothing, you know. Um, we could, I feel like we could be having the same conversation about like Totoro, mm. right? Yeah, and you're right. Like, well, there's not much story. I guess like it turns out the way you think it's going to go, but it's about watching it. It's about mm. experiencing it. Exactly. Um, and I, I find that really exciting. <laughs> I find that really exciting because I think I think he knows, like you know, like if I'm making this movie with this with this clear narrative setup, there's only really one way it can go. Mm-hmm. So um, let's have fun with that. And boy, does he have fun with it. Yes, he does. It, it's, it just becomes, and uh, so this is where I think, uh, like I was saying earlier, he's basically snuck an art movie, like an ex- animation, an, a, a, um, an experimental animation movie or developmental animation movie into a family film, <laughs> which is with the ending where it just gets, you know, sort of bonkers. And I guess not, not, not being, um, I know we said like, it, it's, it's, we weren't going to talk about Ponyo, but <laughs> Ponyo does something very similar when, you know, when Ponyo um, first breaks out of um, her sort of like underwater dungeon thing, the film employs, you know, really, really expressive animation. Um, you know, where the film just turns into scribbles at a certain point. <laughs> and I think audiences um, dig that stuff because it is genuinely something different. It's not just like, you know, oh, it's kind of different. Oh, that bit was kind of interesting. Like, I, I don't know whoever funded the movie <laughs> but I, I love them for just letting you ask off the leash to do 
what he does best. Yeah, because I mean, but we're like in reference to that climax, like a lot of stuff's going on, and sometimes it can be a little hard to follow. But like you said, you're going from moment to moment, and it's just like there's always something interesting to see. Like I love all the little scenes, like while the um the town is getting flooded, and you see like the uh, mer people are um, like they're getting involved in you know keeping the townsfolk safe and all the little details of what they're doing to keep the townsfolk safe like the old woman in their bed that the um the mer people mm-hmm. are keeping afloat and um them acting as a bridge to let kids cross over to like another like open window that isn't flooded through yet yeah i loved all that stuff that was just so adorable mm-hmm that's when it really leans into like the folktale stuff mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. starts to look, you know, kind of like um, old Japanese like scroll paintings. Oh, yeah, that's, the, okay, yeah. that's what I was reminded of when I was watching that because I'm, because I'm watching that entire sequence. I'm like, I, I'm getting some really distinct vibes. Like I've seen impressions of this before, but I mm-hmm. can't write, I can't pin it on anything specific. But I guess that's where I probably like I'm getting inspiration. I think the other, what else was it? There was something else, something that I had seen relatively recently. Oh, I know what it was. Um, I may I brought this up this particular uh, piece of Japanese animation in um, it was an animated series or Japanese anime series that I have brought up in discussion on this podcast before. And I remember Dan, I think you were really optimistic about maybe taking a look at it one day, and I sincerely hope you do at some point. Um, Suditama. I don't know if you. Oh. Were- that's the one. Um, oh my goodness! Uh, I, I it rings a bell, and I can see it was very summery sort of thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, okay. But yeah, I think it was when I originally brought this up in conversation. It was when we were talking about um, um, the newer Digimon, uh, the newer Digimon films that were coming out, a Digimon Try, because it was the animation style was dis- was distinctly similar to Suditama which was my first exposure, I think, to that particular. I, I'm not sure if it was the same people who worked on it or not. But I think if you look at the climax of that particular series and the climax of this movie, like it's not identical by any, by any stretch of the imagination. There are very, very different things going on. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of like really super out there. I mean, not to give too much away with Suditama, but like, you know, you have in Lou Over the Wall where you have like the, this entire town is flooding um, you know, and the mer people are helping out, um, you know, the townsfolk and keeping them, you know, keeping them safe while this whole thing is going on. Whereas with Suditama, you've got a um, bunch of alien fish people who are trying to get this one member of their race who's kind of stuck at the bottom of the ocean. And he's, you know, they have a power to, they have the power to psychically manipulate people. And this one has just kind of got this mental loop and expanding influence to make people to start dancing uncontrollably to this very traditional, like, like town dance that they, they do like a kind of bits and pieces throughout the show. And they're basically just like trapping the more people get caught in this loop, the more stuck they are. And basically it's the heroes who have to kind of like go and fish out this other alien fish person. (laughs) I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. This is actually the the climax of that anime, and it's completely out there and completely wonderful while doing it. Much like this film. <laughs> exactly. It's like I was wondering when I was comp- like mentally, like it felt like it was tugging, like oh, I've I feel like I've kind of sort of seen this kind of insanity before. I'm like, oh right, Sunitama. 
but it's so good. It's it's the kind of out there that really sticks in your brain and just it makes you think fondly on it. Like it's not like out there as in like oh I don't understand this like what the heck's going on kind of kind of moments, but they are kind of out there. But the out there is like oh wow this is actually really really kind of it's out there but it's cool. It's out there and it's like never seen it before. But it's the good kind of out there. Also, it was kind of nice to watch. I was just realizing it's quite nice to watch it at this time of year because it was like a ray of sun, <laughs> summer in. That's true. In this particular time of year. <laughs> Where it's supposed to be very cold and snowy and rainy. In this hemisphere, at least. Yeah. Well, it's been really weird if I may make an aside. Like, it's, it was kind of weird, like, watching this in the film, you know, being set in more of like a summer summer uh season whereas uh over here in the u.s at least on the east coast i walked outside in my t-shirt and because it's like almost 60 degrees in the end of november i don't know what 60 degrees means i think it's quite yeah, hot. Hot. it's warm it's like yeah fall like early spring like early fall or early fall early spring like weather that's crazy it's not like that here <laughs> It's, no, I it's chilly. Not, it's chilly but... here. It's yeah. yeah, it's chilly. Yeah, winter is well and truly here. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't it's, think it's so cold that the the steam from the kitchen set off the. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think the weather over in this neck of the woods knows what it's doing because it's it's trying to hold That's on crazy. to like the warmer weather, but I don't imagine it'll last for very long. So I'm enjoying so... it now while I can. Did anyone have anything else uh, they want to say about the movie? I feel like we're just sort of trying to like describe something that we're seeing <laughs> a lot. When we really can't, because it's, we, it's we, one we, of those things you have to explain. Wanna, yeah, we just we just want to sing the movie's praises, basically. <laughs> we're gushing. Um, we're gushing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it feels like we don't really have that much more to say. No, I, I I agree. It's it. We could just continue to put, pick apart the movie scene by scene, and it really will all equ- equate to the same message. Was this was visually impressive? You have to see it. Mm-hmm. I'll say this much: if you are if you are a fan of cartoons, this film will interest you. Mm-hmm. It's got like a real playful cartooniness that a lot of anime doesn't. And that, uh, that, frankly, a lot of cartoons don't as well. Uh, and actually, actually, cartoons and anime are totally different. Don't call it cartoon. No, no, actually, it's anime. It's, to- it's just totally different. Yeah? <laughs> Shut up. It's cartoon. Get it's over animation. yourself. It's animation that's been set off a leash to have fun. I'm I'm gonna make a meme. This is a cartoon, and this is animation. Oh, they're totally different. When some when someone calls a cartoon an anime a cartoon, I I smash them into the wall. That's my my meme. Sorry, sorry. I, I find it I find it silly when people make that distinction. Sorry, I was just. It's animation, just like wherever it comes from, whatever it's trying to do. It's still animation, guys. That's my opinion. And I feel like movies like this wouldn't, and people like Yuasa wouldn't exist in the way that they do if they did think that way, because he has a myriad of influences from anime. You know, one of his, I think he said one of his favorite movies ever is Castle of Cagliostro. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? 
Oh, and I think yes. you can kind of see that in, like, I think uh, you were talking earlier, Chris, about like the sort of flatness mm-hmm. to a lot of the animation. Um, I think that's quite influential. But you know, and also when I when um, when I interviewed Jurassic, you know, we were talking about Tex Avery and uh, the Fleischer <laughs> cartoons and and old uh, Toei Doga movies uh, from the sixties. Oh wow! Um, in Japan, so you know he he has a really wide, uh, you know, uh, palette of influences, uh, which so, is why I think he's able to experiment as much as he does, and why he's able to also change his styles up so different. Because I can guarantee you that he probably won't make another film that looks exactly like this. No, probably not. Because um, he's always trying to challenge himself. That's an incredible thing. I just want to just, I know I probably already said that before, but I think that's, that's, that's an incredible thing that mm. he's, that he's able to do that, that he is a director. He's able to, that that's part of his identity is the fact that he, ex, he experiments. He's constantly testing to see what kind of stuff he can do for an animated feature. And that's, that's fantastic. Awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. I think that will sum up our discussion of Lou over the wall, which you should try and see if you can. Yeah, we'll we'll keep keep our ear to the ground and see if anything is uh else will be might be happening in the US in regards to this film. And if if it is, we'll make sure to keep our readers notified about that. But for the time being, the folks in the UK who get an opportunity to see this movie, go see it, please. Yeah, it's I I, I feel feel a bit sorry for people in the US when we we get things like a way way ahead and there's no apparent sign of a US release like with silent voice. It's like when they were like people in America like, when we get it, it's not fair. And it was like and we we can afford to be, we in the US can afford to be humbled a little bit because <laughs> typically it's the other way around, isn't it? Yeah. But so I think we 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 can afford to be patient. So shall we move on to the water cooler, which is is this week going to be brought to you basically by Rachel because uh, I I haven't really watched anything other than the film we just discussed since last recording animation wise so (laughs) I know I'm terrible no no not at all I just had a very very peculiar uh past couple weeks where I have been very occupied with my uh my day job which I've been has been picking up since the holiday season began um, with Thanksgiving and we'll be continue to uh, be charging forward full speed but I was very very fortunately with the time that I did have off to see a couple key movies which are would be interest of uh, our listeners um, one of which I already have an existing article on if you'll um, we'll leave it in the show notes to um, talk about it there but um, I'll just kind of go over some impressions of it for the podcast um was the very, very, very limited release of the um, anniversary film for the Pokemon anime, which was called Pokemon I Choose You, or Pokemon the movie I Choose You, which is, um, by and large, a sort of, like, adaptation slash recreation of the, the where the anime basically got its start. Like, it's a retelling of how uh, at Ash Ketchum, or uh, Satoshi, in the uh, Japanese... Uh, this is Japanese name, um, meets Pikachu and, you know, begins his Pokemon journey, you know, through um, Kanto. And it looks like a little bit of Johto as well. 
um, to just basically, you know, go on adventures, find Pokemon, and just, you know, experience the Pokemon world as a whole. And there has been a lot of, like, mixed views on this film. I think I just want to kind of address this right off the bat, because there are certain choices made in it that a lot of fans have kind of gotten really angry at or really don't understand. And I won't spoil it here, because it's a big thing in the movie. But it's just, I want to take it, you know, basically just go with my personal opinion that despite those flaws, or despite, the, I wouldn't say flaws, but choices that might pe- people take, uh, like, contest, you know, contention with, this is probably the best looking Pokemon anything I have ever seen. Like, the Pokemon world has never looked more vibrant and alive than it has with this film, this movie. And I'm not saying that the previous Pokemon movies that have come out in the past couple of years, or at least even back when they first, you know, it's very first feature film, like if they've never looked, you know, they've never looked bad. The animation of all, the animation has always looked very, very good compared to the original, you know, to the, um, even to the show. But it's just, I don't know what, Maybe it's just because of the fact that, you know, this was an anniversary movie, so they had a lot more to, you know, to use in order to, or knew exactly what animators to bring on to this, this movie, but it just looks so good. Like, like, I, I, I'm trying to think, like, if I should go, like, how to go into any specific details, because it's really, like, uh, like we were discussing with Lou over the wall, it's really, I'm not sure if I can describe it, like, I think literally, if you want to get a good impression of what the animation looks like, look at the trailers for it. Because um, that's basically like the kind of the gist of like the visual aesthetic. It's just the, the, it seems like that they. I mean, I I think there have been good looking uh, Pokemon productions before, particularly movies. Oh yes. Um, but it, like they're purposefully hitting the nostalgia buttons. Aren't oh they? yes. Like so they're using hard. the original designs. Yeah, and it looks, you know, it purposely looks like it could have been made, uh, you know, in the nine in the late nineties when Pokemon like became really really popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a very like you said, the nostalgia is a good word for this because it is a very nostalgia fueled movie, and I mean because basically it's it's one that says retelling kind of a loose retelling of um, the original series it's gonna you know it, it, it kind of makes references back to uh episodes or really like popular episodes of the show like um the episode where ash uh gets charmander well who had been abandoned by his previous trainer and um his whole experience raising his uh you know his first ca- caught pokemon which was a caterpie into you know it's different evolutionary forms into a butterfree and then eventually having to say goodbye to it um there were i think the and i say this in my review the the one with Charmander, the story with Charmander in, integrated into this movie was a lot, felt a lot more naturally played out, whereas the one with the Butterfree actually felt a lot more rushed, because we had to, only so much time to show this Pokemon in every of its different evolutionary forms, it getting to do something, and then evolving, and then, oh no, we have to say goodbye, it's just like, we really didn't get to spend enough time with it like it was in the show in order to make that goodbye, like, you know, really pull on the heartstrings like it did in the series, which, you know, obviously is one of the film's detriment. And it does fall into the um the trap of, oh, look, there's this new Pokemon that we have featured for the film. It's going to hijack the film for a bit. <laughs> How do they do that with a film which is uh, centers around Johto, uh, uh, Kanto and Johto? 
Well, and this it was part of the promotion, I think, with uh, the Pokemon Sun, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon video games. Um, oh, okay, okay. Those were coming out really soon as well. Like I think it was just it came out of, like a few weeks ago, and um, so they wanted to have like a promotional code so you get like oh you get a special Pikachu and you can also get this Pokemon that's featured exclusively in just in this movie, Marshadow, which is this uh, like go- kind of ghost like. Um, apparition Pokemon, um, which is supposedly like uh, Ash's guide to meet the um, Pokemon of uh, Rebirth, which was um, Ho-Oh, if you remember from uh, Johto. Right, yes. Marshmallow is a cutie. Yeah, and <laughs> really, like, if I may like, just voice my opinion here, like, I really, I, it's, a, it's cute, and I, I you know, it's, it does what it's supposed to, mm-hmm. but then it really, like, it really does in that last portion of the movie, just really kind of hijacks it for no reason. Like, there's okay. this big emotional climax, which is just kind of kicked off by this thing, when it really was supposed to be just kind of like this um, observer of, like, like, of Ash's journey to reunite or meet up with Ho-Oh and by the climax of the movie and just then things start going wrong because it gets corrupted and starts you know manipulating other Pokemon to attack everybody and it's just like uh can we find a better excuse for this than just giving this thing more screen time because it really feels like there should have been this this could have been caused by something else like it was very yeah. evidently caused by something else and then there's like oh no this event caused Marshadow to get yada yada and it's like no it's like let's just we're just finding an excuse for to keep this thing in the, the in, like give it more screen time, and it really didn't have to be. And because it was really like its purpose, even the earlier parts of the movie were really ambiguous. But one of the things that like I really enjoyed, I mean, aside from the nostalgia factor, was the fact that I think it took some really key moments to like explore the Pokemon world as a whole, at least show things on screen that have not been shown before. Like I really enjoyed surprisingly i enjoyed the new characters that they added into the story that kind they they basically took over the roles that uh, other characters in the show had like you know brock and misty and uh gary we see like a like a scene of with gary for like a split second and then he's not there anymore but we replace him with a couple new characters which each have like pokemon from different generations basically as a way to kind of like also you know more nostalgia like oh these are other generations that happened we're going to acknowledge them I don't think I've seen any Pokemon since it was on SMTV Live back in the day. <laughs> UK fans, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but do you remember uh, SMTV, Rachel? Were you were you in the UK when that was a thing? When was that a thing? Because I was only there for three years. Remember, in 1997 through 1999. I think it was possibly it was... after that. Mm. I feel like it was. I feel like 99 was like their big year. Mm. Oh, maybe I don't. It was. It was. It was definitely sort of early two thousands. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It was like Anton Deck. Mm. Um, like yeah, had a Saturday morning TV show, and yeah. they played Pokemon as part of that show. Mm. They played the po- They did their own poker app, and <laughs> they did their own poker <laughs> yeah. app. Yeah, which was, which was like, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, so it's fair to say, Rach, it's kind of, um, one for the fans, right? Yeah, totally. Like, I would not recommend this for anyone who is not a diehard Pokemon fan, because really, if, when you get down to this movie, it is 
everything the Pokemon anime is, you know, both the good and bad. It's it's hokey, it's cheesy, it's also has some really nice moments and, you know, that mm-hmm. are entertaining and the the battles that are animated in this are wonderful. Are, are you comfortable, is, any, is anyone comfortable talking about the big spoiler moment, which was spoiled? Hey, hey, I'm, I'm Pikachu. Right, like, oh, okay, so you are aware of it. I wasn't sure if you if you. Were I think the entire about. world. Is, I mean, that's like the only thing that I knew about this movie. Pikachu is, talks. Is that he talks? She, okay, it, all right. They. I wouldn't be lying if I said it didn't take me out of the experience for just like a hot second. Did everyone in the cinema do that thing on that one leaked video? Um. There were a lot of surprised gasps. I'm not, yeah, there were, there were lots of surprises, but no one... Like a light! <laughs> <laughs> it's but... like all cockneys in the audience. For some <laughs> no, yeah, someone, someone said a pretty violent, like, like aggressive swear. It's like, what? What? Like, this is a kid. Yeah, I, I, that, that, a few things annoyed me about that leaked video. One, like, okay, cinema piracy is just fine now, is it? No, it's uh, not. It never and, will be. Exactly. And two, yeah, like, I know it was probably all just college kids in the audience, but <laughs> you know, throwing out loud in a kid's movies. That's so kind weird. of like, no, don't do that. No, I mean, it's like smoking in church. Just Yeah, don't do it. You can do it, but don't know. Why would you? It's, it's mean. Um, But no, yeah, like, it's... I don't know why it didn't bug me as much as it probably... I mean, like I said, it took me out of the experience for like a hot second, but like I was already mm. kind of sort of by that. You were directing at that point. Yeah, yeah. The thing, because the, in my opinion, the strongest part of the movie is the beginning. The beginning and up to the like the the middle part of the movie is the strongest. Like in terms of just like fully embracing that this is an adaptation, you know, att- attempting to touch all the nostalgia buttons and like really hit that sweet spot uh, between um, simplicity and uh, like. What's the other word I'm looking at? Simplicity and complexity. Um, but then, like, just as you get to the the middle part of the movie, it really kind of slows down, does some really, like, strange things, which, you know, some part of it I liked, some parts I didn't. And then by the climax, like I said, Marshadow hijacked the movie. And then there was, you know, it was trying to build to this really emotional climax, and then just, like, this this thing happened that just takes you out of it for, you know a minute mm-hmm. and then it gets back to it and then you I'm not entirely sure like everyone can recover from that to get it, back to what the original intent was. What you've described, I mean, not there's any sort of like value judgment. It sounds mm-hmm. very much like a uh uh what's the word? Like a a product of marketing. It really is. And it is. I think you gotta kinda take the rough of the smooth with that sort of thing. And if you're a fan I'm sure you're probably able to overlook a lot of the rough, because yeah. it's your friends hanging out. Look at them; they're back, and Ash looks all young, and he's all happy and about about moving out and everything. And <laughs> it's nostalgic. And that's it fine. is very nostalgic, and that is as far as nostalgic like movies go. This is definitely going to hit a light. I mean, like it also depends. Like, if you're a fan, like, what are you coming to this for? Are you coming to see um, Pokemon, like you know, animated and like just really beautiful animation? You'll get this mm-hmm. in space. If you're here to get an expansion on the the lore and the universe, you'll get a few snippets of good stuff here and there. 
if you're here for like a, a word for word or like scene for scene recreation of the original season of the anime, you're probably going to leave a little bit more disappointed because it's not exactly that. It's more of a, it's an anniversary film. Right. Anniversary yes. of this thing that is very actively, actively marketed to. Oh, um, yes. Very much kind anime. of like the, um, I don't know if anyone's familiar, like Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, anniversary specials are kind of like, it's like a get together. It's like, yeah. we're just, this isn't going to be the most amazing story, but your friends are here. And look at them, they're all wearing the right costumes. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I let love me that anniversary special. Let me have my Pokefun. And, yeah. uh, and if you're not a Pokemon fan, what are you going to see it for? It's crazy. Just yeah, imagine, well, imagine you're just around, being a very good parent or girlfriend or boyfriend or you know friend or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just just imagine a random person just happening to think, oh, I'm going to see that that movie, and they're I like, well, I, if we like, well, you know, it, it was all right, but I've got one question: uh, what exactly is a Pokemans? What are they? What are they? <laughs> Guess what? They're aliens. No. So, is there anything else uh, that you want to rave about at the, at the water cooler? Um. Well. Okay. Um. Really, Great. super quick. I don't want to dwell on this too much because my hope is I can have a more in-depth discussion later. Mm-hmm. But there was another big movie that came out a few days ago that I had the chance to see. I don't know how I managed to get up and out of my bed to go see it because I just finished a slew of shifts at work and I was exhausted and also Thanksgiving had happened but by god I went to see Pixar's Coco I went to go see it man and it was wonderful (laughs) it is great I was both crying and smiling as I was leaving the theater and it, and I, I'm, I was amazed because I was going to sit down because I'm, my hope is to also write a review so we can have a written review on the website. And I sat down to think about it. And I have been having the hardest time writing out a review for this movie. Not because it's not good. You know, it's, I always said it's wonderful. I loved it. It's fantastic. It's probably up there with some of Pixar's best, like Inside Out and Incredibles and Ratatouille. Like, it's up there, man. But when I'm thinking on it, like when I'm, when I'm thinking back on my experience watching it, I'm like, then I'm probably going to have to see it again to really know for sure my, you know, make sure like have a concrete feeling on this. But there are a lot of things about this movie in terms of how it tells its story. I recognize like, you know, you have the, you know, the protagonist, the unprotagonist who has, he, he's done, he's not like the rest of his family. He's very passionate about music. He wants to be a musician, but oh no, music's not allowed in his family. There are misunderstandings. Um, the family just wants the best for him, but he wants to be able to do what he wants to do. He goes on a magical journey to discover the importance of family, you know, um, except like, he, and there's, there's a talent show in the middle of it. Like, they're, like, very lately, like, going over it. Like, there's stuff, like, you've, that I'm saying that you've probably seen in other movies before. What movies? <sighs> what's what am I trying to think of? Um, uh, what's like movie? Like, uh, uh, what was it? Not Footloose. Um, like just basically like you know. Uh, now I can't think of anything specific, and now I sound really stupid and hypocritical. No, no, you don't. No, I, I, I. So I haven't seen Book of Life, and I wasn't sure if that's what you were alluding to. No, 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 no. no. Right. Okay. Because. I have never seen Book of Life, so I, see, I okay, really right. don't want to uh, right. 
to speak on its comparison between Coco no, and that's life. That, that's no, not that's cool. Way. That's cool. Oh, you see what you're saying. Well, you know, I mean, Pixar, you, okay, so I'm not like defending them or anything, but I think it's interesting when you think about it. Pixar's been doing that for a while. Like, yeah. Finding Nemo is so much like planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. believe it. Unless you saw both of them, and the same with the Bugs Life and yeah, Seven know, Samurai. Seven Samurai, yeah, exactly. It's um. Uh, compared to other Pixar movies, like I was, I was getting a lot of uh, familiar feelings and uh, like noticing where the movie was guiding me. But at the same time, I want to, I want to stress this. At the same time, every single time, like I would try to like reason with myself, like, oh, this should have bothered me, or oh, I should have, you know, I would typically roll my eyes at this when we got to this particular moment. I can't, because even despite that, you know me recognizing that this is the path that the movie's taking, I still was, it still kept me guessing. I was still very endeared to the characters, like very much so because of the authenticity. When I say authenticity, I meant not in terms of like the cultural representation, because again, I cannot speak to that because that's not my place because I didn't grow up with that. But I didn't like, no one felt like a cliche. No one felt like a character just, you know, they felt like people. Uh-huh. They felt like legit people, which is what I'm trying to get at. And that's, I love that about this movie. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, I think it's because of that. It, it does those elements so well. Like when I notice things that really, in, you know, in any other movie in a lesser movie, it would have bothered me, but because it excelled in all these other areas. So, so much. It didn't. It sounds like a strong movie. I mean, what you're saying is just kind of reminds you of, you know, like if your friend tells a bad joke, you might laugh because you like your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it might be that kind of uh, deal. I'm not sure. Like I said, like I, I might need to watch it again just to be 100% sure. But I mean, like I said, my opinion's not going to change on it. I think I'm very much in the camp mm-hmm. of this movie is awesome. You should go see it as soon as you possibly can and appreciate the work, the incredible work on display here. Cause it's like I said, it's, it's, it's one of Pixar's best and for good reason. I'm just trying to figure out like specific details in terms of what I could speak to. I mean, I probably just already did. And that's probably the most you're going to get out of, get out of it from me because I can only feel like I can talk about so much of this movie because right. I can only, I feel like an outsider looking in on something that I'm being invited into and it it's beautiful and wonderful and I want to be more of a part of it, but I feel like at the same time I can't because it's, there are certain aspects that I'm there. They're more like, I don't have as much experience with. That's cool. That's, that sounds like you've had a good experience though with it. I have, and I want to experience again and I want other people to experience it. So that's my, that's my stance on that. Any speci- any more details other than that, we'll have to wait for another day. <laughs> so i'll leave that for our listeners like ooh, we'll keep stay tuned for more from uh for thoughts on coco but um the only other thing that i had to add to the water cooler was um a very nice experience that i had just a few days ago um with getting to experience yet another film that was featured via the uh ghibli um g kids ghibli fest which was uh a look at the um japanese uh dub of the um of 
Howl's Moving Castle, Miyazaki's Howl's Moving Castle, w- which I got to go see with a very dear friend of mine from uh, from work. And I remember we had literally seen this trailer when we I originally took her to see Pokemon I Choose You because we were both mm-hmm. Pokemon fans. And she saw the trailer. It's like, oh, that movie's coming. You know that they're showing the Japanese uh, the Japanese version on my birthday. I'm like, is that so? And so we ended up we ended up making plans to go see this movie on her birthday. And I don't think I've ever seen, because um, I'd seen the English dub of Howl's Moving Castle twice already. But I don't think I had ever, like, had an opportunity to see the movie in Japanese. I probably could, because I have the DVD, and I just pop mm-hmm. it in, and I could watch it in Japanese again. But it was interesting. It was it was a different way to experience the movie, and I think I actually enjoyed it a little bit more than I did the, the English dub, just a little bit. Ooh, that's interesting. I, I kind of agree. I think some of the Ghibli movies are... Just because of like the casting choices, mm-hmm. sometimes you're quite right. Like quite different movies, depending on whether you're watching the dub or the sub. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally cannot deal with unless I'm desperate. Desperate, the English version of Ponyo. Um, <laughs> even though Liam Neeson is perfect, Kate Blanchett is perfect. Tina Fey is really good. Mm-hmm. The kids are just annoying, <laughs> and. The the Japanese kids, the the performance is somehow not so grating. Yeah. Did you kind of understand it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, but yeah, House of Castle. I always actually do like you said, Rach. Like, mm-hmm. I have a dub with that one because something about like seeing the like Tudor style houses mm. and having that surrounded by you know english accents and things is like well it sort of fits and yeah yeah i get that um based on a a novel by a welsh author so Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and you know it's even another interesting um at least for this particular viewing of my for this film because i asked um my good friend and who was wanted to come see this movie I asked her if she had seen this movie before, and she said, actually, no, I have not seen this movie ever before. This will be my first time seeing it, because she only had experienced the books. Now, granted, it had been a long time since she read the books, but she was actually really super curious, because she had seen, like, um, I had taken her to see um, Castle in the Sky back on my birthday, and uh, when we saw this movie, she expressed interest in seeing more of Miyazaki's films, because she hadn't seen very many of them. She's aware of their existence, but she hasn't seen very many. So this was her first time getting to see, you know, something based on a book that she had already read. And, and as far as I understand, um, there, you know, Miyazaki takes a lot of liberties with the Howl story, but he still hits all the major beats of it. And those, how they um, adapted those beats, she really enjoyed. That's really interesting because um, there have been... I've known rabbit fans of the books who are not so keen on the movie. Yeah. Um, but I think Miyazaki's always done that. Like, he's always... Ever since, actually, uh, in the 70s, his first directing job on TV, uh, Future Boy Conan, mm-hmm. that was an adaptation of, of a novel. And he pretty much took the novel and he went, yeah, this is a good jumping-off point. And <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use characters, but I'm going to make them my characters. And in a way, that's a much more interesting way to get an adaptation than like a carbon copy, which is trying to please everyone. Yeah, uh, because it feels more hollow that way. If you're training, so if you're, if you, if you're, it's hollow if you're trying to make it like 
exactly like everyone else wants, but if you make it more like what your vision is, I mean, obviously you'll still try to keep certain elements similar, but at the same time, it's just like you, you, you have to put your heart and soul into it. Otherwise it's not going to ring true with anyone. Mm -hmm. And one of the, yeah, exactly. And one of the things that Miyazaki's um, excellent at is characters development. And mm -hmm. if you can spiritually capture a character, I think that's, that's just as exciting in an adaptation mm -hmm. as you know, including your favorite scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I will say this, because I don't know what it was. I think maybe it's just the preference or choice, because there are certain actors that they have they had selected for the, um, the English dub of Howl's Moving Castle. That I do love them, but I'm not entirely sure if it was appropriate for the characters that they were playing, because um, Billy Crystal in the um, English dub of Howl is playing uh, Calcifer who's this little, um, you know, the little fire demon that, that, that keeps the castle moving. And he's funny, and I love him, and, and I really enjoy his movies that he's, the movies he's featured in, like, even, like, you know, um, Mike Wazowski in, Pixar, in Pixar's Monsters, Inc., and um, City Slickers. I love that movie. Um, I don't know if he was the right casting choice for this particular character, because I was listening to the character in Japanese, and it seemed to fit the design a lot more. It's a little more, that's the way to describe the way, the, the acting uh, for that, for the Japanese. It's not raspy, but like more like a, like a, like a small little, like a little demon, because he's supposed to be a demon. Yeah, yeah. He sounds less like a, a sarcastic, you know, human comedian than an actual demon. Yeah, I think, I think to an extent, like we've spoken about this sort of thing before, but I think what's happened there is it's, is um you know to be fair to Billy Crystal, he's a really good voice actor. Oh, I love he's a really him. good actor. I, love I think him. to a certain I think to a certain extent though, it's like the Robin Williams as genie thing mm. play has mm -hmm. happened there, where it's been like, oh, you're hiring me because you want me to do my thing and you mm -hmm. want me to be big. And to be fair to Billy Crystal, I think he is good as Calcifer, but yeah. I understand what you mean, especially when he's got high energy he plays it up and yeah you know, I mean, that's, and you can tell it's kind of Billy Crystal yeah I mean th th again it's it's not bad like I'm, when I say that it, the voice fits the character I'm not saying that the performance that was given for the dub is bad by you know by any stretch of the imagination yeah. it's because like, like I said I love this actor and I love what he does because he's mm -hmm. very very good at it but it's just in terms of it was interesting to see that comparison between like one actor's choices versus another's and see like in, in terms yeah. of looking as an outsider at this particular story what seemed in my perspective to fit the role a little bit better yeah what i think is also not insignificant <laughs> stupid double negative um is uh the fact that those voice um performances are directed by miyazaki himself mm -hmm. and you know he will he will correct intonations and all sorts of things and drive actors mad trying to get exactly the performance he wants and mm -hmm. um because he's trying to do what he does with the animators and control them frame by frame yeah um but that speaks you know that kind of obsession speaks to how well he knows his characters as well so mm -hmm. i think there's something in that there's something in that yeah and it was it so people for anyone who may have already seen like who are big fans of Howl's Moving Castle who have seen it in in one dub or the other I really highly encourage you to look at both because that's 
that's the only way you can like get the full experience i think is like is it it's, it, when you see something in a different language i mean you are experiencing the same film but at the same time like you're getting something new out of it so that's that's basically what i'm trying to say that it was it was a very welcome experience to hear this movie in its original format and i think i appreciate it now more than i did before now that i've seen you know experienced it in both languages mm-hmm. but yeah that is um that's my contribution to the water cooler cool it's been a full episode for sure there's got a lot of really good discussions a lot of things to be excited about with new releases coming out and uh lieu of the wall and more from masaki yuasa who is a very bu- very busy bee but um no yeah thanks uh for anyone who's tuning in to listening to this episode of the podcast hope you stay tuned for some more on the way like i said keep uh your ears peeled for anything more regarding uh pixar's coco because we would like we would definitely will have more once i actually manage to figure out my feelings on that and get more to know not i guess that's not the right word now figuring out feelings that's already been done is uh how to transfer those feelings to the written word, which is uh, kind of giving me some trouble right now, but I promise you, I will figure it out. But um, yeah, if you want to check out more episodes of the podcast, definitely check out our podcast uh, page on our website and just stay glued for animation, animation for adults for more in, you know, impending news stories from the world of animation and also reviews of feature films, television series, web series, etc. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on a multitude of different platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. Uh, I believe we're also on Google. Yeah, yeah, it's Google search. All right. Um, and if you want to follow the podcast specifically, we are on iTunes, Google Plus, and Stitcher, and podcast.com. And if you want to follow us personally, you can follow Chris. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Mr. Christor on Twitter. And Dan, how about you? You can find me at Hamu on Twitter. All right. You can find me on, on mostly on Twitter. And so you'll mostly find me on Twitter at Fail2Ninja. And also, uh, if you're in the neighborhood of looking at some uh, for experiences for short animation films, I highly urge you to go to our website and uh, look at our link to Animation Nights New York and look up and see if there's any particular screening in New York that is coming your way that you would like to check out and see because it is a wonderful production and hosted by uh, the lovely Yvonne who loves to comment on our podcast so definitely keep an eye out for that. If you want to support us, if you want to support future productions at animationforadults.com You can buy us a virtual coffee on Kofi Kofi, yes, yes, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Kofi, and we, yes, please support us on Patreon, and by all means, send us for through any of our social media websites if you have ideas about future podcast episodes or even future articles, series. Please, please do not hesitate to contact us. We love feedback. Or if you just want to let us know how we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like say said, hi. <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. Thank you once again for joining us and we will see you next time on the AFA podcast. See you next time. Bye.
main discussion for today is going to be Misaki Yuasa's film, Lou Over the World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wall. Lou wall. Over the Wall. World. Lou Over the World. <laughs> I, she flew I'm, right over that world. I get confused with in this corner of the world, maybe? I don't know. In this corner of the loo. <laughs> <laughs> New title. <laughs> 